Amen. Welcome, church. Jesus is alive. He is king. Greet those around you. So glad you guys are here. Everybody, 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 yeah, is everybody alive in the house? A little bit halfway there. Well, you guys are about to get woken up in a little bit. Um, a couple things. Um, if you pass the friendship folders down the rows, we really, really, we greatly appreciate that. Let us know you're here. And if today is your first day, wow, we're just we're thankful for you, and we're glad you're here. Thanks for visiting, hanging out with us. Um, here's what's coming up at Crossroads. So we've got this next Sunday, so a week from today, we have our Ecuador um, mission trip interest meeting. And that's going to be uh, in, at 1230 and 207, which is the last room um, on your left, come on after the restrooms uh, in that hallway over there. And so on the fence, have some questions, have a lot of questions, not really sure, go to that meeting. Uh, it's going to be just a, answer, a question and answer time. Uh, Pastor Ken and the team will be there to answer questions and talk about the trip and, you know, the cost and, and some de- and details and all that. So go to that meeting on the next Sunday, 1230 and 8207. And then um, just real quick, one thing I forgot. If you come this Friday, uh, guys, one thing I want to share with you, gentlemen, this Friday uh, over at... Lumberjacks in Mount Lebanon, uh, Pat Donahue, who will be at the Welcome Center, uh, he's just getting a group of guys together to go throw axes um, over at Lumberjacks. Rhonda has beat me in axe throwing before. It's great. And Rhonda last time was like, maybe we should do men versus women. Maybe, maybe it'll be in the, in the pipeline coming down. But guys, uh, he's getting a group together uh, to go this Friday, 630 to 830 over at Lumberjacks in Mount Lebanon. So if you're interested in that, gentlemen, uh, go talk to Pat, who'll be at the Welcome Center. And that's going to be this Friday. Life groups, Rhonda. What's happening with life groups? Okay. Hi, everybody. Hey, we're excited because uh, the purpose of Crossroads Ministries really is to bring you into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Anyone that walks through our doors, that's what we want to do. We want you to be a part of a life group. Um, Many of you have already signed up online, which you can do, but we also have these forms in your bulletin if you want to pull them out. We want you to attend our life group launch, which is going to be Monday, February 3rd. It's going to be an informational meeting, but it's also going to help you to find a life group that you can be a part of here in the church. Whether you are first time here, whether you have been here forever, building a community of people that can just um, encourage each other, get into the word. Um, A lot of our life groups are sermon-based, which means when Ken speaks on Sundays in our life groups that week, we come off with some questions and just dig a little bit deeper. Whatever phase of life that you're in, whether you're in, you know, just having young children or whether you're singles, whether you're married with empty nesters, we want you to just 
be a part of a group that can just really encourage you and help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. So we'd love each of you to fill this out, come to that interest meeting, and see what it's all about. Um, You can put that in the offering plate, or you can also stop at the Welcome Center and drop that off if you have any questions. But this is really an exciting part of our church, and we want you to be a part of it. Have a great day, and again, if you have any questions, come see me. Thanks so much. Thanks, Rhonda. Next thing is the Art of Marriage Conference is the 21st and 22nd of February. You can register online or in the lobby, and it's going to be a great time over at the Crown Plaza across the street from South Hills Village Mall. And uh, you can register on our website or in the lobby, and uh, it's just going to be a great time to take the Bible and invest in our marriages. It's more than just good advice. It's the good word of Jesus Christ. It's the Bible. It's his holy word. So we're going to take that and we're going to invest in our marriages coming into 2020. So if there's more information on our website um, that tells you kind of what the breakdown of the different sessions are, um, what we're going to be talking about, and any information that you might have, um, you can stop by the Welcome Center. Ken, we've got a birthday get the Jesus update. And we just want to say on behalf of our church, guys, it's been such a great partnership to, to give to the birthday gift to Jesus. Amen. I just want to thank you for giving. We've asked you for the last two months to pray about your part. We gave you a list of $90,000 worth of projects and uh, all over the world, reaching from Haiti to Nepal, really, to Africa, and just all over the world. You look in that list, and it's just amazing. And I just want to share with you that uh, we set the goal of 90, and look what God did. He brought in over 150000 Can we thank our great Lord this morning? We honor him. And I'm excited to tell you that all that that's come in has already gone out. Isn't that wonderful? And uh, Alicia Peterson told me that this week all those checks went in the mail, and we were able to take what we did was we took missionaries that were on that list, and we gave them an increase. And so if it was four thousand, maybe they got five or six thousand. And and we're just we're just thrilled about what God is able to do through that. One of the overages that we did last year with a little bit of the overage, and this year as well, we were able to uh, partner with the Timothy Initiative. This morning, the uh, president of the Timothy Initiative is with us, and you're going to get to hear from him in just a few moments. But uh, we're we're excited about what God has done in and through the offering. And so he's reaching people all around the world. God's using our little church up here. You know, I want to say thank you for being a healthy church. We have a great church. It's a great family up here, and it's a healthy place, and people are coming to God regularly. Isn't that thank? Let's thank God for that. That's, that's the best exciting news here. In our first service this morning, Jody Zinsmeister. Jody had a stroke about seven or eight years ago. She can't move her left arm. When you talk to her, she has to pick up her left arm. She kind of drags her foot. She has a residual from the stroke. She was baptized here this morning. Two years ago, somebody invited her to church, and she came at the end of vacation Bible school. You know the closing of vacation Bible school? When the kids are up here and the pastor's wondering what's going on that day, that was the day she came in, and she said, I just can't believe it. She said, somebody, the, the greeters, I'll never forget, they cared about me, and I came back next week, and they knew my name. Folks, can we praise God? She came to Jesus. She was baptized this morning. Let's thank God for what he's doing here. God is so good. And, and so this is happening here in the church. And listen, every week I'm hearing somebody came to God. You're sharing. You're out there. You're telling people about Jesus. You're inviting people. And God is moving in tremendous ways. And so through our birthday gift to Jesus, we're able to take what's happening here and we're able to multiply that around the world. So uh, I just want to say thank you for your faithfulness in giving. And this morning I'd like to call the ushers forward. We'll receive our morning offering. 
And as they come, I just want to remind you that as we give, it's never of obligation, but it's always of opportunity because it is a blessing and it truly is an opportunity to give. And so as you, as you give unto the Lord this morning, worship Him. If you're our guest here this morning, please let the plate pass you by. This is for those that are regular in the grace of giving, growing, and knowing Him. So let's, uh, let's go to the Lord this morning, shall we? Our Father and our God, we come before you and we bless your holy name. You are so worthy to be praised, God. You have moved in our church in great, tremendous ways. And so, God, as we continue to know you, we continue to seek your face, uh, we, we, we are so thankful for the gifts that you have given, Lord. But we're even more thankful for the giver. We're thankful for you, Lord, because it's from your hand that you have provided. God, as we, as we send those, uh, this offering around the world, we're thinking of the orphans in Haiti, the orphans in Ecuador, the missionaries in Ecuador, the disciple-makers in Nepal, the disciple-makers in Ecuador, the disciple-makers all over the world, Lord, Czechoslovakia, Serbia. Uh, God, we, you're, you've given us a tremendous reach from our little place on the hill here. God, thank you that you would choose to use us in such a powerful way. And we pray for all of our partners around the globe this morning. Many of them are serving you at the same hour. Many will be serving in hours to come, and many have already served in hours ahead of us. But, God, we're united together to bring people into a growing relationship with Jesus around this globe. Lord, we ask now as we give this gift to you this morning that you will bless each gift and each giver. In your precious name we pray. Amen. As I said this morning, we have a special guest with us. This is David Nelms. Uh, he's with the Timothy Initiative. He's the president of the Timothy Initiative. I got to know him probably about four or five years ago. I'm part of a, a, a group called the Liberty Church Network. In our church, we partner with other churches, and I get together with a group of pastors here once a month. We're going to be meeting tomorrow, actually, and David's going to be sharing with them at our meeting tomorrow. But we get together as pastors, and we pray, and we challenge each other, and we, we ask God, how can you lead us, and how can you challenge us to make more disciples, to bring more people? We want to see new disciples, more people come into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And so this morning, um, I'm thrilled to have David Nelms that we've partnered. We met him through the Liberty Church Network. He's, uh, he's involved with disciple-making, and they train and make disciples all over the world. And, uh, and he's going to share with you a whole lot this morning. So next week, we'll pick up on our series, Unhurried. But today, I want to, I want to invite you to welcome to the stage this morning, David Nelms. Hey. And, and by the way, folks, we were able to partner with him out of the birthday gift to Jesus this year as we went abundantly over. We were able to partner $3,000 to help the Timothy Initiative, and he's going to share with you about how, that, how that that's going to be used for the glory of God. Can we thank God this morning? Thank you, Pastor Ken. It's just so, so good to be with you guys. Had a, had a great time here with you so far last night and the first service. And to partner with you to be one of the missionary projects that you're supporting, uh, it's just exciting. We make disciples who make disciples in places where there are no churches. And so when you become a Christ follower of Jesus, and there's only like two or three of you in the whole area, and everyone else is a Buddhist or a Hindu or a Muslim, we, no one has to twist their arms. They will gather together. And when they gather together, they will worship the Father, they'll study the Scriptures, they'll pray, they'll fellowship. That is a church. The byproduct, the end result 
of making disciples who make disciples as churches begin to start. We focus on what's called unreached people groups. There's like 7,500 ethnicities in the world that are classified by missiologists as unreached. What that basically means is very few Christians there, Christ followers. And so that is where we focus. We're currently planting churches between, I think it's about 793, I think it is, different ethnicities that are classified as unreached. Again, if you just think the Muslim, Hindu, Buddhist world, if you will. We plant churches in the five largest Muslim nations, in the largest Hindu nations, some of the largest Buddhist nations. To graduate, our students, we call them Timothys, have to plant a church. They have to raise up two more church planters that they train themselves. That guarantees multiplication. And the church is expected to take care of an orphan or a widow or a trafficked slave, sex slave. And so God has seen fit to bless. Last year we were able to plant a little over, just slightly over 16,000 churches. That's a lot of churches. And it's a whole lot of churches. And, and when I say we, I don't mean me. I mean we. You guys are a part of this. And, in fact, TTI comes to a, just a screeching halt without pastors like Ken, without you guys uh, behind the thing. Let me show you a few pictures. This will give you an idea of what we do. First picture here is a bunch of people being baptized after one year of work. The guy on the left is a businessman. He's the Timothy. We train regular, normal people. We don't train pastors. We train regular, normal followers of Jesus Christ. The guy on the right is the pastor. We call him the Paul. He trains the layperson. Men and women we train. And that guy went out. He's a businessman. And those are the people that he led to the Lord over the past year, that, that where he lives and where he works, his neighborhood, his area of uh, where he lives, his little oikos, his sphere of influence. And the, 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 year, the year after that, the line was just that long. I've actually been to his church. They meet on a rooftop. I call it the rooftop church. And you put twice that many people on somebody's roof, and they don't build over there to code. So I'm always a little bit nervous the thing's going to uh, collapse, okay? But that would be an example. It costs us $300 to train that guy for two years. And so somebody in the United States, Ken, wrote out a check for 300 bucks. They got their money's worth on that one. And that's kind of, so that's kind of what we do. When we talk about churches. We're not talking about buildings. We, don't, we can't build a building for $300. We're talking about training people to do that. Look at the next slide. This is that little lady there. Her name is Kali. Kali is the name of a Hindu goddess, the goddess of death. And she's one of the people that was standing in that line you just saw, 83 years old. She hadn't been rejecting Jesus. She didn't know who he was. But as soon as she found out who he was, she accepted him. Look at the next slide. We moved to Africa. This gal's name is Rhoda. She was an illegal bootlegger for her entire life. Pretty mean old lady. In fact, I would say uh, they told me she was the meanest old woman in Africa, okay? I don't know if that's true or not. But she's 90 years old and tough as tough as she could be. And one of the Timothy started a church, and she got saved. Next picture, she immediately went out. She wanted to get baptized immediately. That's the Timothy there in the white shirt baptizing her. So this is what we do. Look, look at the next slide. This gives you even a better idea. This would be what we call a tree church. This happens to be in West Africa. They meet under the trees. You can see little huts in the back. You can't, they can't fund a building there or pay a pastor's salary. But we can reach the entire village 
And listen, it's so exciting. Uh, just this year, I've been in two or three villages that a year ago, everybody there was a Muslim. And now, everybody there is a worshiper of Jesus Christ. The entire village comes to Christ. I've never seen anything. Can I never? I, I never thought I'd live to see something like that. But I mean, I'm not exaggerating. Everybody, they all come to Christ. And, and uh, you, you see, it's not that they were rejecting Jesus. It's that they just didn't know who he was. And they didn't know who he was because no one had ever told them. So this would be an example of, of the kind of churches that we start right here. Look at the next slide. This is uh, Nepal. This church, when I took the picture, was six and a half years old. They had already started 29 churches. And they had 24 more people that day that they were training to be church planters. That comes out to like 50 churches in just seven or eight years uh, being started. And that's what's happening in many places of the world. Did you know the church is growing today exponentially? It is growing almost everywhere in the world except Europe and North America and maybe a few of the islands like Australia and New Zealand. But, but overwhelmingly in the world, the church is exploding uh, in growth. And I'm talking about your Muslim world, your Hindu world, your, your, your Buddhist world. Uh, another slide here. We, as I said, each church takes care of an orphan or a widow. That's a little orphan boy I came across, and, and he would be an example of the kind of, uh, uh, the kind of uh, uh, kids that, that we take care of. Now, it, it's kind of normal today in ministries to give $40 a month to take care of a kid, an orphan. If you've got a calculator on your phone, and most of you do, if you want to try this real quick, we're taking care of 30,000 orphans right now. So multiply 30,000 by 40. $40 times 30,000. And then multiply that by 12, 12 months in the year. And then multiply that by 5. Let's say we take care of the kid for 5 years. Okay? You know what you come out to? I think it's like 50, 60 million dollars. And, Ken, we don't have to raise a penny. By the way, you guys just gave $3,000. That's going to plant 10 churches in 10 villages where there are no churches. It's going to take care of 10 little guys just like that. And so you're going to, you're going to yeah, I think, amen. That's good. And so, uh, and in fact, we are putting your funding that you've just sent on a particular project. Next slide. We call this a church in every village or achieve, achieve. And look at the next slide. We're focusing on India and Nepal. You can see there are the stats. India has more lost people in it than any country on the face of the earth. Actually, one out of four people in the world who claim to not be Christians live in India. Okay? Look at the next slide. India has one-third of those unreached people groups, those UPGs. One out of three of them are in India. Has the largest Muslim population second largest our largest hindu population second largest muslim population there are more this stat shocks most people there are more muslims in india than in the entire middle east combined when we think of islam we think of the middle east do we not but you can take saudi arabia uh you can take uh saudi arabia and syria and iraq and egypt and jordan and lebanon put them all together and there are more Muslims in India than in all those countries. It is the bullseye. Look at the next slide. Uh, 
there are some 350,000 villages in India and Nepal. Nepal borders India to the north in between India and China. 350,000 villages that have never had a church of any kind. Now, to put that number in perspective, there's about 350,000 churches in the United States. So every time you've driven by a church, there's a corresponding village over there that has never had a church. In other words, you're born, you live, you die, you go into eternity lost, having never even heard. They don't have any idea who Jesus is. They're not rejecting him. They don't know who he is. Well, our goal over the next 10 years, and we literally have launched in the last week or two, our goal in the next 10 years, and you're a part of this, is to put a church in every single one of those villages. Now, can it be done? 350,000. We think it can be. Look at the next slide. Uh, We've got to pray, and I've got some prayer cards. I've got a little table out there. Brother Pastor Ken, let me have a little round table as you walk out to the left. And I'm going to ask you to come by and pick up a card on your way out and turn it in for me. And please pray about this project because where we're, these two countries, it's illegal to, do, to, to, to convert someone to Christianity. In Nepal, if they catch you, you go to prison for five years. In India, if they catch you, you can go up to seven years in India. And so people get beat up all the time. They get their houses burnt down. We, we have people killed. We have people martyred. Okay? And what we need, we, we thank God for the $3,000. But what we really need is your prayer. Okay? We're also mapping out. We're going village by village in those two countries. And India has almost 1.4 billion people. So we're talking about a lot of villages, Ken. Okay? And India is different from most countries today. India, over 70% of the people live in the rural areas. There are just tons of villages. I mean, like, I, I don't know if they've ever even been counted. Okay, and we're going village by village, and we're mapping out where there are churches and Christians, where there are Christians but no churches, and where there's neither. And what we're doing starting this year is targeting those villages where there are no no churches, and that's where we're going to plant the churches. You're going to have, again, ten of those. Okay, and look at the next slide. Can it be done? Yeah. See those red dots in India? Those represent training centers. A training center train 60, 60 uh, church planters and disciple makers. The blue dots are in Nepal. In case you're not sure about your geography, above the blue dots is China, Tibet and China. To the left of the red dots is Pakistan. To the right of the uh, red dots there underneath them is Bangladesh and then over into uh, Myanmar and Thailand. And then you get Southeast Asia, your Cambodia and Laos and all of that. So that's, that's the area where we're at. There's over 2,000 dots there. So we're talking about training this year 120,000 church planters. Can we plant 350,000? Yeah, we can. Uh, Can God has blessed this thing. It's become maybe the largest church planting uh, effort in the world. I don't know of anything larger. And so you guys are a part of this thing. Ten of these churches are going to be yours. And what we need you to do is pray, pray, pray. I think, is there one more slide or is that the last one? Uh, yeah, that's it. We just need you to pray. Let, let me ask you a question. How many of you have children still at home? Can I see your hands? You have children? Oh, wow, good. Um, I need everyone in this room to pray, but if you just raise your hand, please, please uh, come pick up a card. We, we believe one of the best ways to train children to have a heart for the world, to have kind of a global mindset, a Great Commission heart, is to let them hear stories 
you're getting ready to hear a bunch of stories, and the kind of stories I'm going to share with you is what you're going to get every month as we send in these prayer requests. We want you to share the stories with your children. I believe God listens to the prayers of those little bitty kids. And so if you raise your hand, we especially want you to come pray. And I want you old people to come pray too, okay? But we especially want you younger ones, uh, you who have children at home, to join us in prayer. Well, I want to speak to you this morning on the subject of urgency. Urgency. I remember when God led me to start TTI, basically what happened was the Lord moved in my heart. And I I remember making the statement to the Lord. I said, Lord, i got to do something. I don't know what to do, but i got to do something. And I'm kind of hoping you leave here kind of that way today. I kind of hope you leave here saying, i got to do something. Now, I'm going to give you at the end of the message three suggestions on what you can do. But I'm hoping everyone in this room will leave with a sense of urgency saying, I've got to do something. I want to begin with John 3.16 because it's a familiar verse. Everybody here knows it. Most of you have memorized it. John 3.16, for God, he didn't just love the world. He so loved the world, the world, that he gave his one and only son. That's Jesus, that whoever believes in him, places their trust in him, shall not perish that is, die and go, go to hell, lost, but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. I was in North Dakota last Sunday speaking, and the pastor, good guy, he said to me, he said, David, I preached from John three sixteen my whole life. He said, but I've never noticed that the word world was in verse 16 and the following verse 17 four times. He said, I never saw that. I grew up in Atlanta, Georgia, and my pastor used to say, David, you're part of the world, so you can take out the word world and put your name in there. And that made sense to me. So can I? And by the way, there's nothing wrong with that. But So I always look at John 3.16 like this. For God so loved David that he gave his one and only son, uh, that if David believes in him, David shall not perish, but David shall have everlasting life. Uh, that's how I read the verse. And I think you can apply it that way, but that's not what it says. What it says is the world, red, yellow, black, white. They really are all precious in His sight. God's Son came to this world and died for people in the United States, but not just for people in the United States. He died for people in Ecuador, but not just for people in Ecuador. He died for people in Haiti, but not just people in Haiti. He died for people in Senegal and in Mali and in Niger and in and uh, Morocco, but not just for those people. He died for people in Togo and Benin and Guinea and Guinea-Bissau, but not just for those people. He died for those in Cameroon and in Ivory Coast and in Chad and in Nigeria, but not just for those people. He died for those in in, uh, Egypt and Ethiopia and Sudan and South Sudan and Uganda and Kenya and Rwanda and Burundi and the Congo, and Tanzania, and Zambia, and Malawi. and so he, died, he died, ladies and Mozambique, he died for the sins of the world. He died for Europe. He died for Africa. He died for Asia. He died for the islands. He died for the Americas. But ladies and gentlemen, the truth is, there's a whole lot of people in the world that don't know that. There are a whole lot of people in the world that have no idea who Jesus is. And it just seems reasonable to me that somebody ought to tell the world this story. I mean, if, if, if this stuff is true, 
if this stuff that we're talking about here every Sunday, can t- t- if this stuff is really true, shouldn't we devote our lives to getting the message out? I mean, if this is just like a book club or something that we come to on Sunday, then I can see not being all of that excited. But if this stuff is true, if there really is a heaven, if there really is a hell, if there really is a God who created the whole universe, and if the only way to that God is through His Son, Jesus Christ, and if it's true that the last thing He told us to do before He went back to His Father's side was to tell the whole world that message, it just seems to me that ought to be our priority. Can't you agree with that? It's got to be our priority. Yet I fear that it is not. I fear that for many of us, it's like number 19 on our list of priorities, if that high. And so, ladies and gentlemen, this morning, I want you to leave with a sense of urgency here that something's got to be done. And I want to give you two truths. Truth number one, the world, this world that we live in is very, very big. I was flying not just a couple of months ago. I had a layover in Istanbul. I don't know if you've ever been to Istanbul. I want to tell you something. It was a clear day. You could see the cities you flew in. You could see the city. That thing is so big, so big. There's like 13, 14 million people in the greater Istanbul there. Just a huge, that's like putting six or seven uh, Pittsburghs in it, a greater Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh metropolitan areas. The, the world is big. Depending upon how you define the word city, the United States only has two cities in the largest 25 cities in the world, and we don't have any in the top 20, again, depending on the way you define it. Our world is Big, and it's getting bigger by the day. Truth number one, the world is big. Truth number two, the world is lost. There are seven and a half billion people on the face of the earth. Five billion of them don't even claim to be Christians. Of the two and a half billion that do claim to be, my guess is probably a good half of them probably aren't. But but there are five billion who will claim to tell you, I am not a follower of Jesus Christ. This stat here, you probably can't read the small print, But according to the Joshua Project, there's some 81% of the world's population that will never personally know someone like you. They will never have a relationship, a personal relationship, with someone who is a born-again follower of Jesus Christ, who believes the Bible is the Word of God, who believes Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary, lived a sinless life, died on a cross, paid for the sins of the world, was resurrected on Easter Sunday morning. 81% of the world will never personally know someone like you. I'm telling you, the world is big and the world is lost. I just told you there are 350,000 villages in in India and Nepal that have never had a church. 90% of the villages in Vietnam have never had a church. 90% of the villages in Laos and Cambodia have never had a church. 90% of the villages in Sri Lanka have never had a church. 90% of the villages in Bangladesh have never had a church. 90% of the villages in, in Indonesia have never had a church. And what about North Africa and the Middle East and Central Asia, the Far East, the islands, Europe, and for that matter, the United States? I was in Myanmar about a year ago, and I checked into a hotel. I had a group of guys with me, and I was hungry. That's half my problem. I'm always hungry. And I went down to the restaurant. I was the only one in the restaurant. And the little waitress, her name was Nan Wee. She came over. She could speak broken English. She wanted to take my order. And we began talking. She said, where are you from? I said, the state. She said, what do you do? I said, I always hope they'll ask that question because I'm going to take them where I want to take them. And I said, I'm a pastor. 
And, she, and little Nan Wee looked at me and said, what's a pastor? And I said, a pastor is a guy that works at a church. She said, what's a church? I said, a church is a place where the pastor teaches people from a book called the Bible. She then asked, what's a Bible? I said, well, the Bible is a book where the words are written down that came out of the mouth of the creator of the heavens and the earth, the God that made you and made this beautiful country of yours. That God gives us his message. In his message, he tells us how our broken lives can be mended and repaired and all of the guilt and shame that we carry can be washed away and how we can know him and have peace and joy and love in our hearts. And when we die, we get to leave this this broken world and go to live in his very home, in his house. He has many rooms and we get to live there and there's no more suffering and no more sorrow and just peace for eternity. And her eyes got real big and she asked, do you have a Bible? Can I see that Bible? About that time, a buddy of mine walked in the room, and, and I didn't have my phone on me. He did. We both have the uh, Bible.is app. How many of you have that app? Do you have that? If you don't have it, get it. It's Bible.is. Bible.is. It's a free app. It's got the scriptures in over a thousand different languages. It's great if you like. You got like an Uber ride or a taxi ride. Uh, you can you can play the Bible for them in their own language. But I said, David. Nan Wee here. This is Nan Wee. She doesn't, uh, she's never seen a Bible. Show her your Bible, wink, wink. So he took his phone out and he clicked on the Bible.is app. And then he went to the languages. He clicked on Burmese. And then he went to John 3. And it's not just the written word, but it's audio also. And so he pushed the little play button. And for the first time in Nan Wee's life, she is hearing John 3. She's hearing the Bible uh, audibly. I watched as she took the Bible out of his hand, or the, the phone out of his hand. She didn't even ask. She just reached over, took the phone out of his hand, and began scrolling down. She listened to the entire chapter, all 36 verses. I watched as over the next half hour, Dave, my friend, led Nan Wee to Jesus Christ. That was about 7.30 at night. At 1.30 in the morning, I was tossing and turning. I couldn't sleep, jet lag. I thought, I'm going to go down in the lobby, make myself useful, try to find somebody that can speak English, share Jesus with them. I, at 1.30 in the morning, Ken, I found four staff that could speak English. Nan Wee had already told all four of them about Jesus Christ. It had only been, what, like six hours, if that. All four of them. The next morning we were leaving, and she came. It wasn't even her day to work, but she came, and she came to tell us goodbye. She had tears in her eyes. She said, I went home and I told my sister about Jesus. She said, my sister wants to hear more about Jesus also. She had never heard. And, and, and she looked in our faces, and here's what she said. She said, for the first time in my life, I feel pure. For the first time in my life. We walked down the street. We got in some Burmese boats. They're like uh, dugout canoes. They're real long. But they're about as long as from, from here to that wall right there. There's an engine on the back. You, you sit in it. You can't sit too across or too narrow. And it pops up. And we have uh, Burma. Is a, uh, Myanmar is one of those places where they have uh, uh, villages made out. on the. They build them up on the water. It's, it's just built on stilts. We have lake churches, Ken. I mean, churches in those houses, there's no road to get there. You've got to take the boat. 
And the first church I was in, first house church I was in, a 16-year-old girl stood up, and here was her testimony. She said, she said, until a few months ago when the Timothy, she pointed to a young lady, before the Timothy told me about Jesus, she said, I'm 16 years old. I had never heard the name Jesus one time in my life. An old guy about my age, the village chief or mayor or elder, stood up and he sang a song. It wasn't even in Burmese. These are tribal people. We had to have two translators. He sang a song. He had been a believer now for six months. He had written a praise song to Jesus. He wanted to sing it to us. Ladies and gentlemen, listen to what I'm telling you. You drove by ten churches on your way to church today. There are hundreds of millions of people that have never seen a church. They've never seen a Bible. They've never heard the name Jesus. They're not rejecting Him. They don't know who He is. And yet, the very, have you read the last words of Jesus Christ? If you've never read them, write down Acts 1, verse 8. Go home today and read it. It'll be in red letters. Verse 9 is not in red. It's in black. Verse 10 is in black. 11 is in black. 12 is in black. 13, and chapter 2 and 3 and 4. These are His last words, Acts 1, 8. The very last thing He said was, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and He'll give you power. The Greek word is dunamis. We get our English word dynamite from it. He will give you dynamite-like power. And then Jesus said, you will be my witnesses. Not you might be. Not you can be. Not you should be. You will be. Listen to me. If you're a follower of Christ, every one of you are a witness for Jesus Christ. Every one of you. The only issue is what kind of witness are you? Are you a faithful one or an unfaithful one? But you are his witnesses. You say, I don't want to be a witness. I'm sorry. That got, that got settled the moment you, you accepted Christ. Jesus said, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Jesus only has one plan to get the gospel out to the world, and we are it. It's us. I mean, if we don't do it, it doesn't happen. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you, there are a whole lot of people out there who have never heard, even heard about Jesus, much less what he did. So that leads us to a question. What can we as a church family do about it? What can you do? What can your part be? Some of you have one child. Two, you have two or three children. You're both working a job. You're just trying to pay the bills. And God bless you. You're working your tails off. But, 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 but you're on this planet to do more than just to pay the bills. God's got you here for a reason. He has a, has a purpose for your life. And part of that purpose, whatever else it is, part of that purpose is you taking your abilities and your talents and your gifts and your personality and your mind and your body and your possessions and using everything God's given you to point people in this world to Jesus Christ. Whatever else it is that God has for you. Paul said we are ambassadors for Christ. You are not embassy workers. You can do more than, than make a cup of coffee. You are not a, an embassy worker. You are an ambassador. You represent the king of kings. I'm, I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about you. You are an ambassador for Jesus Christ, the king of glory. Everyone in this room can be greatly used of him. And you should be. You say, well, David, what can I do? What, what can my part be? Number one, every one of us in this room can give. And I don't have time to talk about giving but I think we all know inherently one of the most Christ-like traits there is is giving. For God so loved the world that He what He gave. When you come to love Jesus Christ, when you get your heart right with God, it doesn't bother you when a pastor stands up and talks about giving. It's just the opposite. You want to give. 
There's just, listen, nobody has to, I got five grandkids. Nobody has to twist my arm to give my grandkids a present on Christmas morning. Man, I want to give to them. I can't wait to give to them. I want to see their little eyes and their little faces, all that joy. You don't have to make me, you don't have to make me feel guilty about it. I want to give to those that I love. And ladies and gentlemen, when you fall in love with Jesus Christ and you fall in love with the world that He loves, nobody has to twist your arm. You want to give to get the message of Jesus Christ out. You say, David, how much should I give? The answer to that question is this. Get on your knees and ask your Father. And whatever He tells you to do, that's what you do. Uh, you don't come to me. You don't ask me. You don't even ask Pastor Ken. You ask your father. The Bible says if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. So you go to God and say, God, give me wisdom. All this stuff that I've got, how can I use it? What do you want my part to be? How can I give? Ladies and gentlemen, I fear, though, that many of us are like the foolish man. Jesus called him a fool. Jesus said, let me tell you about this fool. He had a lot of money. And he stored up his, his crop in his barn. And his barn got filled up. He said, what am I going to do? He said, I know what I'll do. And so he tore down his barn and he built a bigger barn. And then he filled that one up. And then he said, hey, I can eat, drink, and be merry. And Jesus said, yeah, you're a fool. Go ahead and eat, drink, and be merry because tomorrow you're going to die. And you're leaving all that stuff behind. Ladies and gentlemen, we are so blessed here. And I don't think, the, I don't think God has, has given us so much stuff just so we can build bigger barns and hoard it for ourselves. I think we are blessed to be a blessing. I think that, that stuff's supposed to go through us to others, ladies and gentlemen. Can somebody say amen to that? I mean, we are the most blessed nation on the face of the earth. It bothers me when people criticize America and talk badly about America. There's a reason why millions of people are, are risking their lives to come to this country and this is the greatest thing going. As bad off as we are, it's head and shoulders above it. God has blessed our nation. He has given us so much. But He hasn't given us what He's given us just so we can keep it for ourselves, ladies and gentlemen. What can we do? We can give. What can we do? This is a big one. We can go. We can go and make disciples. There may be someone in this room that God is calling to be a missionary. And if so, God bless you. But the truth is, most of you are never going to go to Chad. Most of you aren't going to go to Cameroon. Most of you are not going to go to, to, uh, uh, to, to Cambodia. You're just not going to do it. But you can be a missionary right here. You're supposed to be where you live, work, study, shop, and play right here. You and I don't have to go around the world. We can go across the street. Literally, we can go across the street. Every one of us are witnesses for Jesus Christ. We witness by what we do. We witness by what we say. We share Christ with others. Ladies and gentlemen, everyone in this room not only can be a disciple maker, you're supposed to be a disciple maker. Listen to me. How many of you have accepted Christ as your Savior? Just say amen. I'm from Georgia. We have to say amen. All right. So I know you people are God's frozen, chosen saints up here. All right. But um, that was a very sarcastic remark, by the way. All right. But anyway, uh, yeah, we say amen. So how many of you have how many of you have been saved? Say amen. amen. All right. Now, does that mean the Holy Spirit lives inside of you? So how many of you have the Holy Spirit? I tell you what, I'll go. With you. How many of you have the Holy Spirit? Just raise your hand. You got the Holy Spirit living. All right. Good. Now, let me ask you something. How many Holy Spirits are there? Yeah, there's only one. There's not like 17 Holy Spirits. No, there's one Holy Spirit. Did you know you got the same Holy Spirit in you that Peter, Paul, James, and John had in them? The exact same Holy Spirit. 
Let me ask you a question. How many of you think the Holy Spirit is old and worn out? How many of you think He's like tired and sick? How many of you think He just doesn't care anymore? How many of you think the Holy Spirit is just as powerful, just as strong, just as able today as He was 2,000 years ago? If you believe that, say amen. Yeah. You see, the Holy Spirit does not wake up in the morning and look at Pittsburgh and say, Oh, I am intimidated by this place. I can't do it here. That's not the Holy Spirit I know. The Holy Spirit that you, you've got God living inside of you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? God himself. Paul said, Christ in me, the hope of glory. You have God living inside of you. All you've got to do is submit yourself to his authority. Let, your, let the shepherds, your pastors, teach you a little bit, train you a little bit, equip you a little bit. And you guys can attack hell with a squirt gun. You can kick in the doors of hell is what you can do. And it's not that you can do that. It's that you're supposed to be doing that. Your pastor is getting ready to open up some training. I call them training centers. He's looking for a few good men, a few good women who will say, Pastor, I may not know what I'm doing. I, in fact, I don't know what I'm doing. But if you'll pour some time into me, if you'll train me, I'm, I'm, I want to learn. I want to learn how to tell my friends and my family about Jesus. I don't want to just so tell them about Jesus. I want to help them grow in Jesus. I want to help them get closer to Jesus. If you're willing to be a disciple maker, you've got a card in front of your chair there. Pull it out, would you please? It's your Connect card. It's that card you're supposed to fill out every week that you never fill out. Okay? Take that card real quick. Come on, just pull it out. It won't hurt you. At least move so I'll think you're pulling it out. Okay, it'll make me feel better. So look at that card. And on the back side it says, my next steps this week I will. And there's a blank line there. If, if you're sitting here today and you're thinking, you know what, I'm not a disciple maker. I've never led anyone to Christ. But I know I should be. And I'm willing to learn. If Pastor Ken will train me, I'm willing to learn. If you'll just write three letters on that top line, D-M-D, Disciples Making Disciples, D-M-D. Put your contact info on it. As you leave today, come by to my little prayer table. My, I've got a basket there. Drop it in the basket. Pastor Ken, Luke, somebody here will get in touch with you. It may not be in the next week, but sometime in the next couple of months, they're going to start training those who want to be disciple makers. Listen, what, the, the world is big. The world is lost. What can we do about it? We can give. We can go. And finally, we can pray. Everyone in this room can pray. Everybody can pray. I want to close by sharing some stories with you. This first picture is one of our students in Vietnam. He, the police came and confiscated his pig because he wouldn't quit talking about Jesus. They said, if, you, if, you, if we have to come back, we're going to take your house. I can't tell you how many people I've, I've known. They've been run out of their houses. They live out in the jungles. They live, they're just, they're just their families. They have no place to live because they've had their homes taken from them. This is one of our Timothys. What can we do? We can pray for him. By the way, I, I didn't go on the Internet and find these pictures. These are real people. This, is, this stuff is really happening. Look at the next picture. Uh, one of his brothers in the same area. These are people that live in the mountains of North Vietnam. They're, 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 they're Hmong people, M-O-N-G. They're the Hmong tribe. He has a skin disease. You say, has he been to the doctor? Have you been to North Vietnam? There's no doctor there. There's no hospital. There's no clinic. You say, what are they doing? They get sick. They suffer. We go to the medical clinic. We, some of us have insurance, and we, we have a, 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 a Walgreens or a CVS. We're blessed. They don't have that kind of stuff. You say, David, are, are you trying to make me feel bad? Yes, absolutely. 
James 4 says that, that we need to weep and wail and repent and, and get right with God. Ladies and gentlemen, we, we, are so, we, we have so much and we complain about our problems. We have no problems compared to most of the world or very few. What can we do for this guy? He's suffering. We can pray for him. We can pray. Look at the next slide. Here's a, a martyr, the uncle of one of our leaders in Pakistan. A guy pulled his car in front of the church one morning, blew the church up, 32 Christians killed, including the relative. I know a lawyer in a Muslim country, all he does is he, he represents Christians who have been accused of blasphemy, that is speaking against Muhammad or the Koran. He told me, he said, David, he told me this weeping. He said, all he does is try blasphemy. He said, our, our nation is, our prisons are full of Christians. Who, he said, they're never going to get out of prison. Christians, they're never going to get out. He said, I've, I've been walking down the street with a Christian client, had a car pull up, a guy gets out of the car, blows the guy's brains out right there as he's standing next to me, gets back in the car and drives off. He said, I got children, pray for my children, pray for my safety. He said, I know I'm not going to live long on this wor- in this world. Pray for my children. Ladies and gentlemen, what, why doesn't this bother us? And what are we going to do about it? Are we just going to say, hey, man, I lucked out. I live in, I live in Pennsylvania. I don't have to worry about it. No, listen. Listen, I, I see these pictures. And the, the words that come to my mind are that old gospel song, Must I be carried to the sky on flowery beds of ease while others fought to win the prize and sail through bloody seas? Have you ever read Hebrews chapter 11? They were cut in half and they were stoned and they were thrown to the animals and they were crucified and they were killed by swords and they had their property confiscated and they had their, their homes taken. Ladies and gentlemen, we are so blessed. What are we going to do? We can give and we can go and we can pray. We must pray. Look at the next slide. This little lady lived along the Tibetan border in, in, uh, in uh, the Himalayas. Earthquake hit. She went running back up the hillside to grab her little baby in the house. The roof collapsed. She was crushed. She managed to crawl out holding her baby. She lay on the ground for days. The roads were all demolished. They couldn't get to her. By the time they could get her to a hospital in Kathmandu, they had to amputate both of her legs. And now she's 25 years old with a little baby and she lives in the Himalayas along the Tibetan border. That's Dalai Lama country. And she's all alone. And she has no legs. And she's our sister. She's our sister. What can we do? We can pray. We can pray. If you ever go to Kathmandu with me, I'll take you to a temple. If you guys want to. Show the video for me. This temple's over a thousand years old. These platforms are where they're cremating people. If you look closely, you can see the feet stuck out the right side. If I take you to the temple, we'll go sit on the other side of the river on those steps over there and watch. People are usually cremated within about 24 hours of the time they die. When they get done, when it's all said and done, they push the remains, the charred remains, ashes into that river. Sometimes they're cremated with jewelry on, and little boys will get down in the water and kind of fish out the jewelry. When you realize that 90% of the villages in Nepal have never had a church, and 
99% of the people there are not followers of Christ, you realize there's a 99% chance these people have perished. They have perished. And I always go and I sit on the other side and I watch. And by the way, this goes on hour after hour, day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, decade after decade. It's been going on for over a thousand years at this one temple. And this is just one of thousands of temples across Asia. Just one of thousands and not even that big of one. And I always go over and I sit on the other side of the steps and I always think of John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world through Him might be saved. And I always sit on those steps with a broken heart, and I always think, Oh, Lord, there's another one we missed. There's another one we missed. There's another one we missed. And I always think, it just seems reasonable to me, somebody ought to tell those people. Pastor Ken, you had a lady here in the last service. She walked by. She says, why? I was late coming in here. And she filled out a prayer card. And she looked at me. She said, that video you showed. She said, more than likely, those people, they went to hell, right? And I said, yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. But what's even more awful than that is nobody, more than likely, lifted so much as a finger to tell them about Jesus. May God forgive us. So what are we going to do about it? We can give. We can go make disciples right where we are. By the way, I've had two people today tell me that they have Nepalese living next door to them now. That video I just showed you, you have those people coming to live in your neighborhoods. You don't have to go to Kathmandu. Kathmandu has come to you. We can give. We can go make disciples. And we can pray. This is a great church. I'm in churches all the time. This is a really good church. I commend you for what you've done. But I encourage you to leave today with a sense of urgency. I hope you leave here today, and it won't be business as usual, but you'll, listen, I hope somebody calls Pastor Ken later today and says, i got to do something. i got to do something. And all God's people said, would you bow your heads, please? Before Pastor Ken comes, there may be somebody here today that, you're sitting there thinking, man, I, I can't start telling others about Jesus till I get things settled with Jesus myself. The fact you're here today is a real good sign. If you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, if you believe He died on a cross and rose again, if you understand that all of us are fallen people, we've all sinned. That's the Bible word, we sin. 
and that sin has separated us, separated us from God. If you understand that, then, then you need to understand one more thing. In spite of our sin, God loves us, and that's why he sent Jesus to die on the cross. Jesus has already bought your ticket to heaven. He's already, he's already purchased. He's already paid the price in full to make you a child of God. You can have your sins forgiven. You can have the guilt removed. You can have the presence of God in your life right now. And the icing on the cake is you get to go to heaven when you die. But it's not through turning over a new leaf. It's not through coming to this church. It's not even through baptism as important as that is. It is through putting your trust in Jesus Christ. Remember that verse. Whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You say, David, how do I put my trust in Jesus? Well, I'm going to help you right now. The Bible says you need to call out on his name and ask him to be your Savior. And when I got saved, I didn't know how to do that. I had a pastor help me, so I'm going to help you right now. If you're not certain of your relationship with God, if you don't know where you're going to spend eternity, but you believe Jesus is God's Son, He died for you and rose again, and you're willing to put your trust in Him, then pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, just pray it in your heart. Dear Jesus, forgive my sins. Come into my life. Save me today. I believe you are the Son of Almighty God. I believe you shed your blood for me. And I believe you rose again. I'm trusting you, Jesus, to be my Lord, my Savior. Help me from this day forward. To live for you. I give you my heart, my soul, my life. Thank you, Lord Jesus. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if you prayed that prayer, with nobody looking around, please, would you just slip up your hand let me see it. David, I prayed that prayer today. I asked Jesus to be my Savior. God bless you, Father. Thank you for this church. Thank you for this pastor. Thank you for what you're doing here. Lord, may we leave this place with a sense of urgency. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. God bless you. Wow, David, we we thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your heart and passion. I want to encourage you, if you'd like to get involved with our discipleship training uh, we're going to train you how to make disciples, like how to tell your friend how, to, how they can know Jesus and personally walk them through it. Uh, our church is, God's doing great things, amen? And we want, we want to just focus our efforts a little bit more. So in the next few weeks, you're going to be hearing more about this. Um, if that's you, take the Connect card. Go see Dave today, and he'll be out there in the foyer. As you go to the left, he has a table out there. Uh, and then also, he has a prayer card. I want to encourage you. I've signed up. I'm on his prayer team. I want to encourage you to, to sign up, and uh, you'll get an email from him about once a month, I think it comes out. It's just ways that you can pray, and I love what he said for your kids. Man, you got little kids at home, teenagers at home? Wow, what a great way to show them the, the big world around them. So, uh, Acts 1.8, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You'll be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem. You'll be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. This morning, you've heard about the end of the earth. 
So let's go home and start in our Jerusalem and Judea. And let's let that light shine bright here as we shine around the world. Amen? All right, let's stand together. I'm going to ask you to greet and say hi to about two or three people you haven't spoken to this morning. God bless you. You are dismissed.